The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation and I'm your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And I hope you're having a a great week. The week started off in a very interesting way, July 22nd, the Feast of Mary Magdalene and also the day that the new royal baby was born. In the last hour of cancer shifting into Leo, and I know that our guest today has a strong connection with full moons, uh, but that felt to me as if it was the full moon going from sun cancer to sun Leo, the birthing from the moon into the sun of the king. And so it's going to be really interesting over this little guy's lifetime uh, what happens in the world as uh, this awakening is taking place. And his dad's a cusp baby too, born on the solstice. So it's going to be very, very interesting um, how this all unfolds in that uh, ancient royal lineage of, uh, of the old country. So today I have with me Hearth Moon Rising, who's just putting out her book, Invoking Animal Magic. And we're going to be talking about animal magic on the show today. So Hearth, welcome to the show. Thank you. So perhaps you could begin by uh, telling us a little bit about your journey and how it brought you onto your spiritual path. Um, I think it's always interesting for our listeners to hear how other people's path has unfolded for them. Okay, well, I've been very fortunate in my life that I've had a lot of wilderness experiences uh, from a very young age. My parents uh, made sure that that I and my brothers um, had a lot of experience out in the wild. So I've always felt a kinship and affinity with wild animals. Um, in my 20s, I became a Dianic priestess, and the Dianic uh, lineage is a, a group of women, it's, it's all women, who worship the goddess, and we worship many goddesses, but we take our name from the goddess Diana, who is the mistress of the animals. So this... Um, this has been really a, a lifelong path for me. Fantastic. And in terms of the animals that you connected with in the wild, um, did you actually have physical, personal experiences with them when you were out in the wilderness? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I did not include any animal in the book in any depth that I have not 
it, uh, had interaction with in the wild. Um, I've, I've been very fortunate in that respect. So the experiences that you write about were actually personal experiences as well as a lot of uh, fairly detailed research that you, that you uncovered with respect to each of these animals. Right, right. I, I did do a lot of research into folklore and myths and stories and beliefs about a variety of animals. And then I also, I also talked about some of my personal experiences um, just briefly, um, such as uh, hiking along a trail uh, not not too long ago at midsummer at the summer solstice, and having a barred owl just come out of nowhere and fly very close to me, and um, it it seemed to fit in very well, like you said, with the sun and the moon, because the the owl, of course, is a symbol of the moon, and it appeared to me at the summer solstice. So just to help our listeners understand in terms of their general awareness of how your understanding, your belief system is around how it is that the animals are able to show us these signs and symbols and have these personal connections with us at what seem to be these critical moments in time, these synchronicities, from their level of consciousness and awareness, how, how do you see that working? Well, I think that we are very, very connected with other animals, whether we consciously realize that or not. And uh, I do believe in synchronicity, that our experiences with an animal uh, in the wild or just an animal that, that comes up in conversation or our reading is, um, is all a part of our spiritual journey and our connection with the greater whole. So I see every encounter with an animal as being very important. Now I look at uh, encounters with an animal, whether they're in meditation or out in the world, as important on a number of levels. I think that uh, first you do have to go to your personal experience, but you also have to go to your culture and then to... um, your fund of knowledge and to increasing your fund of knowledge about a particular animal. And in my book, I really am trying to help people to get a better feel for um, the the symbolism uh, around various animals. In other words, what does it mean for an animal uh, to migrate, to hibernate, to live in the air, to come out only at night. And once you've studied and you've thought about it, you have a richer experience to bring to any animal encounter. Yeah, I actually was out, uh, not quite the wilderness, but but in a really quiet area yesterday uh, on the beach, actually, and had three clear encounters, one with a seal, two bald eagles, and the kingfisher. And uh, again, obviously, location is important in this too, where you're going to find those particular animals, aren't, aren't, isn't it? Right, right. It, it location is is important. Although, although, um, in some ways, it it might might not be as important or as vital as you would think, because we do have interactions with animals that we will never see in the wild. Um, for example, the lion. Just about everybody on the earth has 
has some associations with the lion. I've never seen a, a you know an African lion in the wilderness in my life, and maybe I never will. But like everybody, I have associations with that animal. So if I go to the library and I see the lions outside, and I see the sun hitting that lion in a certain way, the lion is is coming to me. Absolutely, that's a really good way of putting it, and 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 I totally understand what you what you mean when you say that. And all sorts of different, as you say, synchronicities take place through advertising you see, uh, television programs, light shining on trees, and 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 somehow uh, showing a, the face of a particular being. Uh, all these things are all part of this, aren't they? Right. Absolutely. So, so let's talk a bit about the book, Invoking Animal Magic, and, and you've already indicated a little bit why, why you've written the book. What's really neat about it for me is many of the animals that you speak about in the book, and we'll talk about some of them uh, in the show today, uh, some of them have a, a sort of a bit of a negative connotation or even a fear around them, and yet from your perspective, they're vitally important in terms of our understanding and even involved in healing and, and helping us. So just talk about, about that for a little bit. Well... Um, I think sometimes the the very fact that um, these animals have had a very important and vital uh, role in in healing and in human consciousness at one time uh, is part of why they are feared. There was a a, um, a backlash in the early the early years of Christianity, not so much today, but at one time there was a lot of uh, negative things said about animals that people were worshipping. So the stronger the cult around a particular animal, the stronger the prohibitions against worshipping or even thinking positive about that animal would be. Now, um, some of the animals in the book... Um, that we have a negative, uh, that have a negative connotation, um, we also have negative experiences with them. Uh, animals, most animals are not, in, interactions can be positive or negative. One of the animals that humans have uh, had a negative relationship with for a long time is the mouse. And as soon as we started storing food, Mice became uh, a big problem for us. Now, one of the reason, one of the ways of dealing with um, rodent populations and the mess and the disease that was practiced in uh, the Middle East was to actually worship the mouse, to propitiate the mouse god and ask him to keep the members of, the numbers of his tribe in check and to keep them away from the food. So um, that's one way that at one time uh, we dealt with problems with animals. So when you talk about the, the God of the mouse, so, so you're talking about a sort of a collective consciousness that connects all of that particular animal species together. So if you can make that connection, that will uh, imprint down into the individual beings themselves. Yes. Well, uh, the... the um the when you are connected with an animal spirit, it can mean a lot of different things. It can mean the consciousness of an individual animal, or it can mean, like you said, the consciousness of a group of animals. 
and it could also mean um, the uh, mother consciousness or the father consciousness of an animal, and some and we call that the uh, the animal goddess or the animal queen, or in the case of the mouse god who is Apollo, uh, the god Apollo was originally a mouse god. Um, we call him the the god of the mice. Ah. And a lot of the uh, in the book, you do a lot of relating of the stories with the animals uh, into folklore and, and myth, myth and legend from the past. I think that's very important in understanding an animal is to understand some of the stories, um, and uh, I, I think it, it gives us a better context in interacting with an animal. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're actually going to be talking about the uh, the different animals uh, that you're using really as examples uh, of the collective uh, group uh, through different um, aspects of life. We talk about the creatures of the night, the creatures of the long journey, creatures of the other worlds. And so it's going to be uh, interesting for our listeners to hear the examples that you've cho- chosen to represent, if you like, those particular creatures and to talk about some of the uh, qualities associated with them. So we'll take our first break now, Hearth, and we'll return and we'll be talking about invoking animal magic. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Being Outside the Box is your thrival guide to living outside this reality. Are you always waiting for your ship to come in? Do problems happen to you? What if you created your life rather than sitting by waiting? Do you live in the fantasies of this reality? Winning the lottery? Waiting for your prince, princess to come? Even being healthy? Do you always do what is expected of you rather than choosing for you? What if the rules didn't apply, and what if you could thrive from a different space? Join host Lynn Waldrop for Tools to Being Outside the Box. Listen Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on 7th Wave. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tan. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program.
Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. Just a reminder to go to my website, www.petertung.com, where all of the information from the radio shows, from our Landscape Zodiac work, my previous newsletters are all there for you. And www.myheartcenteredjourney.com and our Ambassadors of Light class, which happens every two weeks, and we actually have a class tomorrow evening at 5.30, bringing you up-to-date information of what is happening in the world of spirit at this time. And I have with me today Half Moon Rising, who's just putting out her book, Invoking Animal Magic. And in that book, she refers to a number of the animals that have traditionally been involved in rituals and healing practices uh, through the pagan traditions. And when I was reading the book, I was reminded time and time again of the work that we're doing with the landscape Zodiac and the myths and legends associated with that. And clearly, there's significant uh, overlap uh, with the work that she's doing and the work that we're doing. So, Hartha, I'm going to ask you actually now to, to talk about some of the creatures uh, that you talk about in the book. And I actually want to talk about some of those that perhaps people feel a bit squeamish about. So why don't we start with the toad? Oh, the toad is very important in magic. And it's traditionally been very, very important in healing. And one of the uh, reasons it's been so important in healing is that apparently uh, some of the secretions of the toad really do have some medicinal properties in them. Um, they, um, the uh, toad venom and toad skin usually has strong antibacterial properties. And actually, uh, during the plague, people used to put um, dead toads under their arms or uh, uh, over the lymph nodes in their groin um, to, to combat the, the plague. Um, and uh, toads have been used for fertility as well, um, for both for uh, getting pregnant and for safe childbirth delivery. The thing about the toad is that it's kind of messy to use um, to use toads, actual toad skin for healing, and the venom of the toad is very caustic to the skin. So that's one of the ways that animal magic comes into play because uh, people took to praying directly to the toad queen for healing rather than uh, attempting to do the to do the messy thing of extracting the venom and um, changing it so it wasn't so irritating to the skin. So there's so there's a so there's a physical, practical side to this, and a metaphysical, symbolic invoking of the consciousness of. Right, right, and um, another another uh, function of the toad is that toad venom is mildly psychoactive. It, it isn't really a strong psychoactive agent, but it has some mild psychoactive qualities. And in a lot of, of um, medicines that are used to uh, invoke trance and, um, and psych- psychoactive um, meditations, toad venom is often an ingredient. Now, again, 
toad venom is it's hard to extract it's caustic it's it's not really a um it's not really a good substance to use in many ways there are other plants that are better for that but because we know that the toad has psychoactive properties if you're wanting to go into a trance and get uh, information for healing and a trance meditation, then the toad is a likely candidate to invoke to help you on your journey. Now, if you if you encounter the toad, which we actually did on our on our cancer workshop journey, we we came across a toad in uh, in the one of the local uh, lakes, a, a big one, um, just sitting there right in the surface of the water. If you encounter one of these uh, animals, which which obviously are significant uh, in the, in this work, what what do you actually do in a physical encounter? Well, um, what what I do is I I um, speak to the toad or the animal, and I ask myself um, what what that toad is here to tell me today. Why why that toad and why today? And um, I also take it as a sign that the Toad Queen is interested in me, is, is sending me her blessings. So the biggest thing is to accept it as a blessing. And, and then ha- in terms of the information that you might get back, how, how does that tend to come to you personally? How, how, does, it, how does it reveal itself? Well, in the situation that you're describing, it sounds like you were going to a place, you were going to a pond, and there you saw a toad there. And to me, that sounds like an affirmation of your journey, because one of the uh, symbols of the toad is pilgrimage. Toads migrate, they go back to the place where they were hatched to to lay their eggs again and to spot and to um, yeah to lay their eggs again so they they are creatures of migration so I would take that um, that appearance of that toad as an affirmation of your pilgrimage and a sign that your your offering was accepted which is which is great to hear because we that the landscape zodiac work is an alchemical journey so we were very much on a pilgrimage so that's that's wonderful and 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 I noticed in the in the book that that chapter was actually creatures of the long journey which again suggests that right right i mean for such a little creature to go back to where they were born they can go you know miles and miles to go back to that particular pond it, it is quite a journey for them and they used to th- think that um, toads were the spirits of Christians who died in pilgrimage. Oh, okay. They became oh. toads. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, another, another area that's been really important in our work has been the womb space, and you do have a chapter on creatures of the womb. So talk a bit about that. Oh, well, the creature of the womb is the bat. And um, bats are creatures of the womb because they they hibernate in caves. And um, mm, bats are bats are such wonderful creatures. We have so many negative uh, things about bats, and um, I'm not entirely sure why they are not really. Uh, they don't have any tendency to be rabid more than any other animal. They 
Um, they like to live around people, though. So they're, uh, they're, they have something in common with us. To me, uh, to me when an animal uh, likes to be in cities, likes to be around human habitations, that's a strong symbol that we have a commonality with that animal. And for bats, I think one of the biggest commonalities we have with them is that bats are very fraternal. They like to live together. They will hibernate in very large uh, colonies, um, but even in the summertime, they will they will live in smaller colonies, both the male and the female bats. So they are they are definitely uh, connected to each other, and um, of course connected with the womb because they go back to that cave every year. And, and what is the message then from the bat emerging from the womb or being in the womb? What, what is the, what's the message or the symbol behind that for us? Well, one of, the, one of the symbols for me is that it's a connection with the mother. It's a connection with the great mother. It's a connection with that, that dark place that we all come out of. And I mean that dark place in a positive sense and that dark womb space where we are, where we are born from. And um, going back into that womb space, into that cave uh, for healing, for um, getting information is, is very important. Going into the stillness and the silence and just being available for that connection. Right. So let's talk about uh, the creatures of the night and the owl. Okay, that is actually the most popular animals that I talk about right now. People are really into owls. Um, and part of it, I think, is Harry Potter's owl. <laughs> yes. For, for whatever reason, owls are very popular right now. Um, they, uh, they are sacred to the goddess Athena. And um, she, um, she had an owl cult that lasted for a very long time, right up into uh, the birth of Christianity. Um, people were worshiping Athena um, through their devotion to owls. And at her temple, owls would roost. They would encourage owls to roost there. And if you look at old Greek coins, there's, an, there's a Greek coin of, of Athena with an owl that is must have been very popular. It's one of the, probably one of those popular coins that were minted in the ancient world. And you see her there with her olive branch and her owl. And uh, people, they, people who worshipped her, they would dress up in owl costumes and catch owls on her special owl day. So she was a, 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 she was a very uh, important goddess, obviously, but she was also a very um, important for her owl connection. Now, one thing that I think is very interesting about the owl, and it's kind of a coincidence, but I still think it's interesting, is that a group of owls is called a parliament. (laughs) (laughs) And that that actually, that comes from uh, a Latin word for speaking, because owls, um, owls, owls, Owl speech is very is very distinctive, and people are very entranced with the words of owls. 
but I think that it's very interesting that the owl group is called a parliament because Athena is the goddess most associated with democracy. Okay. And, and in terms of Athena and the owl, what do, you, do you know from her perspective what role the owl played in her world? Well, I think that Athena was at one time an owl goddess. You know, that we, we worship the owl goddess as Athena, and she, she morphed into a, a woman, uh, the image of a, of a woman goddess, but I think originally she was the owl herself. So we're coming up to our next break, uh, Hearth, and, and when we come back, I actually just want you to finish off on the owl and perhaps tell us what the message is that we can get from the owl in terms of uh, our own lives. Peter okay. Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Just want to take this opportunity to thank our sponsors for this series of shows. Shari Chase of Chase International Real Estate Company in Lake Tahoe and Reno, Nevada through our MyHeartCenteredJourney.com website. And also the wonderful people at Voice America, Matt, my regular weekly engineer and my producer, Brandy Jackson, for their support and creating the opportunity for us to hear such uh, 
wonderful guests who have one great insights into their own particular area of consciousness and spirituality. Which brings me back to Hearth Moon Rising, who's with us today, talking about invoking animal magic. And just before the break, Hearth, you were talking about the owl, and I just want you to finish that off. And just what is the message that owl brings to us? Well, um, one of the things to be aware of with the owl is that most of her intelligence is centered on perception. Um, she has those beautiful eyes that stare, seem to stare at you, and she sees very, very well, and very well in low light. So there's a lot of her intelligence uh, centered on visual perception, and people have traditionally used the owl as, uh, as a means of improving their eyesight. The other thing about the owl is that she has very, very good hearing. And in fact, the great horned owl will hunt in the wintertime entirely on sound. She will listen to the mice and the other little critters scurrying under the snow. And in several, uh, several inches or feet of snow, she can hear those animals underneath the snow and actually, actually time her pouncing right on the animal by the sound under the snow. So owls have also been used in improving hearing. Now, the other thing that the owl has been used for has been, uh, has been alcoholism. The owl has been used to um, stop excess drinking. People used to eat owl eggs for that purpose. But in the book, I don't recommend that. I have, a, I have a little ritual to do if you want to use the owl to help you with a program of sobriety. So um, there, are, there are a lot, of, a lot of practical healing uses for uh, invoking owl magic. So could you actually talk a little bit about a ritual that you might do in general or specifically the owl one that you would do today to assist people in, in a situation like this? Well, the, um, the al- alcohol ritual is a bit involved to talk about on the radio. Okay. Um, it, you don't need a lot of of things to to use with it. It's a little bit involved. I can talk about another animal and another example that comes from my personal experience, Um, and that is with the giraffe. Uh, I used the giraffe in my own healing for my throat because I was having a lot of strep throat um, incidences. I was having some problems with actually speaking and I had more on a deeper level I had more of a problem uh, communicating and and saying my truth so I began working with the giraffe because the giraffe has a very long neck and this is a good example of how animal magic works because it also tunes into your own associations with with the animal of course, we know that the giraffe has the long neck, so it can eat the leaves on top of the trees. It's not doesn't have that long neck to speak its truth. But it's natural for humans to uh, associate that long neck with speaking. So um, what I did was I 
put up pictures of giraffes um, all over my house, and I thought about the giraffe a lot, and I was praying to the giraffe and doing this with the idea that it was going to help me to speak. And I, it really, it really was working well because I went to this psychic gathering where there was a bunch of people here, and the the, the medium looked at me and said, "There are there are giraffes around you." <laughs> <laughs> she could she could see them there, and I didn't really do anything special except think about the giraffe and bring the giraffe into my space, and it did work. Um, my my strep throats went away, and I was able to speak better. So that's an example of how you would actually use um, your knowledge about an animal in healing. And so you're, you're really tuning into that vibration to assist you in your own healing journey. That's, that's a, a great way of putting it. So let's talk, um, let's talk now about the snake. We're in the year of the snake, and I'm a water snake. And again, there are all sorts of different connotations around snakes, but historically they've been really significant. And I know in, in your, your book, uh, one of the quotes that I remember was something like, uh, from the snake perspective, I know the mysteries of life, I know the mysteries of death, and that's very much <laughs> one of the journeys that I'm on for sure in this lifetime. So let's talk about the snake. The snake. Um, well, we, if we're talking about the snake, we have to mention the hospitals of Asclepius because um, they're just so interesting. Uh, there were hospitals to the Greek god Asclepius uh, all over the Mediterranean in the ancient world. And in these hospitals, uh, people would come and they would sleep in their individual hospital room. And snakes would uh, be put into the room. And while the patient was asleep, there would be snakes slithering around the room. And snakes have a very hypnotic slither. They go and it becomes very hypnotic over time. And so people would fall into a gentle sleep that was lulled by the, by the slithering snakes. And then the next morning they would tell the priest or priestess their dream, and it would be interpreted for the healing message. And actually that uh, caduceus, that symbol, that medical symbol of the snake around the staff uh, goes back to those ancient hospitals that used the snake in healing. And you also refer in, in that uh, part of the book to Crete and the Oracle of Delphi. So talk a bit about that. Okay. Uh, Crete, um, there are a lot of images of priestesses holding snakes in Crete. And so we know that in ancient Crete, uh, snakes were very, very important. Now, the civilization of ancient Crete, um, it, it goes back uh, very far. It goes back thousands of years, and it, it ended about 1500 BCE. So um, we're talking about a very ancient civilization that uh, we know almost entirely from archaeology. And we do know that, um, that they used snakes in, in healing. The snake appears to have been an important, um, an important creature in childbirth. And um, we think that um, going back to another 
island in the Mediterranean to Malta, they speculate that there um, priestesses would go into a trance uh, from slithering snakes and come back with a message for the populace. Now, that definitely happened in Delphi. Um, in Delphi, of course, the, uh, the priestess would uh, sit on a three-legged stool above a crack in the earth, and the vapors had a mildly intoxicating quality, which would cause the priestess to go into a trance, and then a scribe would write down what she said during that trance. Uh, what a lot of people don't know is that... Um, the, the trance was not entirely created by the vapors. It was also caused by snakes um, slithering around the area. And the, um, the symbol for the, the oracle at Delphi was a stone with a snake uh, wrapped around the stone. So again, that medical uh, symbol of the snake wrapped around an object. And from and from your perspective, what is the message that Snape brings to us? Well, that's uh, th- that could be a lot of a lot of different messages. <laughs> the snake lives in the un- in the underworld underground, so it brings uh, messages from from deep in the earth. So it is definitely an earth. Um, uh, uh, messenger from earth of course we also have snakes that live in the water and this is a water snake year so um they they bring they bring uh, the elements um the element of earth the element of fire the element of water uh, into our consciousness to help us work with with those with those elements um as far as water snakes go um in Chinese medicine, there's a water snake that uh, has traditionally been used uh, for um, its anti-inflammatory qualities. Now, the, the Chinese uh, developed methods uh, for extracting medicinal qualities in animals very early on. And they uh, were able to synthesize this ingredient from the water snake to use for anything dealing with inflammation, especially with arthritis. And um, this, uh, this idea of snake oil came to the American West with Chinese immigrants, and snake oil was suddenly being prescribed for all different kinds of ailments because anything that's anti-inflammatory will work for a variety of, of illnesses. So... Um, what, what happened then was that they began using snakes that were indigenous to the West, which did not have very much of this uh, ingredient that was in the water snakes from China. And that's where we, we come up with the idea of snake oil as being medical fraud. The, um, they were using American snakes, which weren't working. So uh, when you say snake oil, uh, to a lot of people that means something that is, is not effective. But originally it was effective. 
it's really interesting how all this ties together, doesn't it, in terms of helping us understand how stories have evolved and situations from different cultures and different historical periods and how these the animals are richly tied into all of this uh, culture. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, you know, a lot of a lot of the um, of the folklore for for illness has changed because our our idea of disease changes over time. the The snake was used for curing elf shot at one time. Do you know what elf shot is? No. No, um, it is uh, a stitching pain that you get in, in your side that is caused by the invisible arrows of elves. Oh, okay. And uh, and people would would use snake magic to combat elf shot. Oh, okay. I, sh- I shall remember that. <laughs> <laughs> We're coming up to our final break, huh? So we'll take that break now. It's Peter Tongue for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Just an update on our proposed tour in September. Uh, we've had a lot of interest uh, put forward about the tour, but people are concerned about the two-week time period and the cost. So we are prepared to change the arrangements somewhat and just do the second half of the tour in Scotland, starting with a ceremony on the Equinox, September the 22nd, on Sunday in and around Glasgow. 
and then doing the week of uh, ceremonies at the different sacred sites in Scotland, concluding on the 29th, which is Michaelmas Day, and doing a ceremony to connect the energies uh, of completion, uh, including Archangel Michael in that, in that ceremony, uh, also completing in Glasgow. So if you are interested in uh, joining us on that tour, it will be approximately $2,400 for the tour itself, not including your own airfares to get there and back, uh, then please drop me an email to descendingdove at gmail.com and let me know your interest and we can follow up from there. I have with me today Hearth Moon Rising and Hearth has just put out a book invoking animal magic. So Hearth, just talk a bit about the book and how people can access the book and or your work. Okay. Um, the, uh, the book is... Um Available in uh, a lot of bookstores. It's actually very easy to get. Um, you can order it from uh, any bookstore in uh, about any English-speaking country. Um, you can also get it online um, through uh, most of the online bookstores. So it's it's very easy to get. Uh, if you go to my book website called invokinganimalmagic.com, you can read an excerpt of the book, and you can uh, find out how you can order it. Uh, also, I wanted to mention that um, associated with the chapter on the bear goddess, I have a very nice bear meditation that takes you to meet the bear mother and uh, speak and get a message uh, from her and on that website, you can download that bear meditation. And, um, and it's uh, about half an hour long, and it's uh, very well produced. Um, Martha Gallagher provides the music for it. So I encourage people to go to my website, invokinganimalmagic.com, and learn more about the book and listen to that meditation. Also... The end of this year, if you go to that website, I'll have some information about some online classes and some webinars that I'll be offering. Great. Wonderful. Thank you. Well, I will definitely be tuning into your bear meditation of that. There's no doubt. Oh, good. So let's, continu let's continue uh, with a couple of uh, more of the sections and, and the animals involved. And I'd love to talk about creatures of the other world the dogs wolf and even the werewolf in our landscape zodiac work the dog is the questing dog who is the guardian of the landscape zodiac and also leads the grail quest so i'm really interested in uh, hearing what you have to say about the dog the wolf and the werewolf oh well actually that that uh, very much fits with my understanding of the dog um, that dogs were domesticated to take care of human garbage, basically, especially when we stopped uh, traveling so much and settled in, in one place. We needed to domesticate the dog to take care of our garbage. And so they became associated with death because they, they were scavengers and are scavengers. So the dog, even today, is the guardian of the underworld. Um, dogs 
uh, were later bred to guard camps, to guard people. And so naturally they would guard the gates to the underworld. And most people are familiar with the guardian Kerberos, the three-headed god of the Greeks at the River Styx, who would guard the the gates of the gates of hell, basically. But in many European cultures, the dog was the guardian of the underworld. Certainly in Germanic culture, the the dog would guard the underworld, and also in um, in pagan uh, culture in Iran and in India, the dog was also the guardian of the underworld of death. And of course, we go into that into that realm of death to get messages and to connect again with the goddess. So, in any trance meditation work, uh, connecting with the spirit that um, either either guards the the world of death or is is uh, can go into that world is very important. Um, one of the things that um, people would do in Germanic culture is that they would um, they would actually be buried with a, a a piece of bread that they would feed to the dogs that were guarding the gates of hell in order to in order to get to the underworld. And by the way, by the gates of hell, I'm not talking about um, the, an awful place that bad people go to. I just mean I just mean the the world of death and the underworld. And where and where do werewolves fit into all of this, Hart? Uh, well, werewolves uh, come from the uh, the relationship of ancient people to the wolf, and the wolf was originally uh, an ally because wolves are very much like people in the sense that they have families and they have large extended families, and um, people would. Um, would invoke the wolf to help with um, with community relations and with a strong family. So the wolf was worshipped in ancient times, and there were all kinds of rituals where people would become wolves during the the during the ritual or the ceremony. So that's really where the whole idea of the werewolf got started was just people turning into wolves in order to pay homage to to this ally that we saw as being very similar to us. And, and would that um, normally happen would that normally happen under a full moon then? Well um, yes and no. There, sometimes in sometimes these ceremonies would happen under full moons. And I think one of the reasons that that ceremonies used to happen under full moons is that there was light. You know, um, they didn't have they didn't have artificial sources of light that were that good, and so th- the full moon was a good time to do a ceremony if you wanted to do it at night. Now, in the Middle Ages, the the, the idea that you would turn into a werewolf under the full moon uh, really got going. But it, it might or might not, the ceremony might or might not have taken place under the full moon. Certainly in the, uh, in the Roman calendar, it was, it was based on a, solar, on a solar day. It would be a specific date in the solar calendar 
um, probably earlier when people used a lunar calendar, they would use the full moon as the date for those ceremonies. So, Hartha, unfortunately, we've, we've come to the end of our time. It's gone very, very quickly, and you've given us some really interesting insights. And I can say without any doubt that invoking animal magic has got a really rich content, including the folklore tales and the information and stories about the animals involved, and in some ways dispels many of the myths around those animals and, and really shows how closely connected we are to them and them to us and how we can work with them and alongside them on this sacred journey that we're on. So, Har, thank you so much for today. www.invokinganimalmagic.com is the website. And thank you, Peter, and I've been very, very happy to be a part of your project. Well, thank you very much indeed. So next week, my guest is Panash Desai, and he brings forward this tremendously powerful vibration of awakening to help us work our way through this world from the inside out and bring ourselves to a place of peace and love and harmony and joy. So I hope you'll join me next week with Panache. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tung for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.